We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Spoke to a lot of broadcasters from this entire season, uh, just learning from them. People, current broadcasters, ones that have done play-by-play um, analysis. And it's been really fun. I've connected with a lot of fun people. I've got great notes. I could probably write a broadcasting playbook at this point. Um, but it's been something that I've really challenged myself. And, and I really look forward to getting on there and calling games for Fox in twenty in, starting in September. Molly and Hall, Chicago Sports Radio 670, the score. That's the voice of Tom Brady. And you're going to hear it as he uh, becomes a color analyst on Fox. So that's fun. Good to see. Yeah, looking forward to that. I think he'll probably be, he'll be very good. He's going to be very good at whatever he does. He's a winner in life, and and he's got all the rings. And uh, I has this really doesn't have as much to do the opinion about Greg Olson saying goodbye in his last game at Fox as a number one guy. It doesn't have as much to do with Tom Brady as it does with just I think acknowledging the fact that I'm going to miss Greg Olson in those big moments because of the job that he did and how he approached it because he didn't spare anybody and he did he explained things and he did his homework and that became obvious. Yeah, I, I mean he did a great job, but it was a job that he understood was kind of uh filling in filling the shoes of Tom and you know, I wonder if there's an element of this that kind of uh goes into it that um he, we have a texter says he believes that Tom Brady, he doesn't seem human. He's void of personality while seemingly a nice guy and having an internal passion that rivals no other. He seems to lack enthusiasm. I, you know, I, I think if, if Tom is sucking up to people and just talking up the NFL, that's not going to work. To me, the job is to pick apart plays and to teach us and to tell us something that we didn't know. Mm-hmm. You know, the, the, the Peyton Brothers broadcast is excellent, not because they have guests on and they tell stories, but because when they talk about the game, it's fantastic. It's really good as you describe something and you add to it and give a detail or two. When they talk about the you, game. That's what I'm saying. It kind of devolves when they don't. I totally because they, agree. Because they tend to maybe talk over each other and their right. guests are maybe interested, maybe they're not, maybe they're funny, maybe they're not. So when Peyton Manning and Eli Manning talk football, it's must watch. And by the same token, I think that's what you're saying about when Brady breaks down the game, that will be the best part of having him in the booth. And his ability to diagnose and dissect and those things. I, I couldn't agree more. Yeah. Uh, and that's what I'm hoping for. Yeah. But if it is if if it is kind of what the texter thinks it will be, kind of this phony baloney nonsense, I got I want no part of it. Well, now I'm not. getting worked up about well, it. Well, no, I, I think what he needs to do is you know follow the Aikman model. Troy Aikman was you know, not Tom Brady uh, uh, as a quarterback, but he was well accomplished and he was a winner and a champion. And then he went into the booth and he took the same sort of uh, 
exhaustive approach to preparation. And he also was pretty candid the way leaders can be. We know Tom Brady can be as well. And it didn't really – Troy Aikman can break a game down and, and be critical without sounding like he's criticizing. You know what I mean? I agree. He's an analyst that analyzes, but he doesn't sound insulting. There's an art to that, and there's a knack that he has that others lack. And I hope that Tom Brady finds it and finds it quickly because he can handle it, and he's well paid for it, but the pressure is greater than it was last year as he anticipated moving into the booth because I think he's replacing a guy that became very popular in a short period of time and very good at his job. 312-644-6767. Let's try Peter. Peter's on the Odyssey app. Hey, Peter. Hey, how you guys doing? Good. Good, good. So, hey, I just wanted to check in, David. I know uh, last week, two weeks ago, you were pretty bummed about the Bears keeping fever flus. You were concerned that they weren't going to get good assistance. Coaches. And, you know, last night, they just got Thomas Brown, the number two voted guy. Um, from the yeah, Panthers. That's right. They got the quarterback coach. They got probably one of the top defensive coordinators. If you look at the head coaching, Belichick still isn't hired. Nobody's touching variable. I feel like the Bears probably did this one right. What do you guys think? Thanks for the phone call. I think the Bears have put together a very professional, competent, capable staff. They have guys like Shane Waldron and Thomas Brown and Eric Washington that were mm-hmm. – well-respected, highly regarded, and maybe had other options. And they came to Chicago. Kerry Joseph's in that group, too. Sure. That's not really what the question was about a couple weeks ago or even last week when we had our day of mourning and grieving and airing, <laughs> and, and airing of grievances. Let's be very clear here. I, I think I'm speaking for me, but I think I speak for you as well. The The regret or remorse or the whatever it was was very isolated, very specific. Yeah. Why the Bears did not pursue Jim Harbaugh will always bother me. It will always bother me yep. because I think that there was an opportunity for him, for the Bears. He went back to the NFL. He's with the Chargers. He's hiring all the assistants. He's getting his own general manager. He's getting $16 million a year. And I wonder why that couldn't be here. So outside of that, once I get past that, I don't want to go down that road again. Matt Eberflus and this staff is, is one I understand why people would believe in. You could be positive about because it is full of a bunch of professionals who are proven. Again, I think it's interesting to look at the hiring of Shane Waldron, who has been a coordinator before and called plays before, to, to think about the guys that are now around him, including uh, Thomas Brown, who was the Carolina uh, play caller, the Carolina, um, you know, he didn't call plays early, but he was their offensive coordinator. And you look at at where he's at. He, I think, didn't he interview for the Tennessee head coach? Yeah, he guy? was a he's a highly he's, regarded resist, assistant. Yeah, because he came from the Rams. I mean, <laughs> he's got the McVay. Well, that, he he was <laughs> blessing. He, yes, three years under McVay. And mm-hmm. and that's a long time. And um, he started as a running backs coach, and and then became an assistant head coach, mm-hmm. and um, and was part of that staff when they got to the Super Bowl uh, in in twenty twenty one and won the Super Bowl. So I think that that's pretty good. And and I think that you're now looking 
at you getting an idea as he's filling out his staff what what Shane Waldron that's his baby right mm-hmm. that is he gets that side of the ball and it looks like you've got you know the quarterbacks coach I read Bigsy's story um I, I believe um the athletic had a story on him too and and you listen to what they're saying it's good stuff they're they're saying the right things and we don't know who the quarterback is. I don't know that they know. They don't know. Kerry Joseph spoke yesterday yeah, in, he was in Mobile, Alabama, and he talked about needing confidence in the guy that he's coaching. He talked about DTA, uh, decision, uh, timing. timing, accuracy. Th- those being, are big. Those are big and for those are, quarterback. Those are all big if they keep Justin Fields. He, well, he definitely if they keep Justin Fields. He PTA. claimed that the quarterback did not come up during his interview. Do you believe that? No. Me either. I, I don't buy that. He has to say that. I understand yeah. that. He's got a good reputation. What Shane Waldron has done, Chad Morton, the running back running backs coach, yeah. Chris Beattie, the wide receiver coach that they hired. Right, right. He coached DJ Moore. He can turn Valus Jones into DJ Moore. I don't think he said that. And I don't think you should expect that. And I don't think that's possible. It was kind of a joke. But I know. The staff that, that Shane Waldron has assembled offensively gives you a good feeling about the Bears in terms of all being on the same page. But this is typical. NFL teams always feel good about the staffs they put together. And I'm sure Matt Eberflus felt good about the staff he put together before the 2022 season, the 2023 season just to the point where he had to disassemble that staff for reasons he couldn't control. They've added two new coordinators. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, you look at that and the impact and what that means. I haven't seen them play yet, and I haven't had a chance to hear much from them. But I'd be curious to know if you consider this an upgrade. Well, overall, based on who they had – on defense, which was they were a man down because Allen Williams and that mysterious exit. Is is Phil Snow still a part of this? I don't know. Well, that's a great question for whoever can answer it. Is Phil Snow just a figment of our imagination? Is Phil Snow really just AI in terms of <laughs> Dustin track down Phil Snow? Phil Snow, Dude, we're yeah, on that it. That would now. be awesome. Uh, is it an upgrade? You know the the easy answer is is yes, absolutely, because Luke Getze was uh, struggled really a, a guy that that limited Justin Fields' growth and everyone else, and he couldn't grasp third and short and all those things. You, you want to feel optimistic about the staff they put together. What I'm looking forward to talking to Dan Weeder about is something that we have referenced and talked about on the Take the North podcast. There was an implication, a suggestion that coaches were staying away or were hesit- hesitant. Is the right way Reluctant. to put it to join because they didn't know how long the head coach yeah. would be there. But he, you want to be in the NFL. You want to stay in the NFL. Is he a lame duck? Is he a lame duck? It's um, a good question. It's a good question. And if it affected somebody who was interested in that job but maybe hesitated because they were not interested in joining a staff that might be turning over again in a year, that's telling because that would make your embracing continuity not maybe not the smartest thing. But – all you want is a chance. It's always going to be about the player more than the play caller on offense, and uh, or at least that's the suggestion. The Bears have a very competent staff. I don't know if I want to be over the top and saying, oh, my gosh, they got this guy that's rated so highly on the NFL Players Association ballot. Now they, got, now, now, now they know the answers. 
Is he Ben Johnson? I don't know. Ben Johnson going back to the Lions, though, is as significant, I think. Than anyone you hired. Than anybody you hired. No question. In Chicago. No, because it ensures continuity in the coaching staff. Um, You know, you wouldn't want to lose your defensive coordinator, but – and he's interviewing for the Washington job. I, I'm very, I'm very curious about how these last two jobs are filled, because if if you look at it as a game of musical chairs, then somebody's sitting out the year, and and and. Um, well, is Vrabel and, still in the mix in Seattle? Well, that, I wonder that. That's what I'm asking. Is Belichick still in the mix in Washington? I wonder that. At one point in time, they said no that he wasn't. That was the report. But that was when everything looked like they were going to hire Ben Johnson. You're the Washington Commanders. You're striving for relevance, and you need something to create a buzz with new ownership. I don't know why they have been so reluctant to entertain the idea of hiring Belichick or even talking to him. It's really interesting. I think the answer is, again, you know, if you hire Bill Belichick, you effectively lose your job. Whoever he is an entity that runs a team. And so you're talking about giving up, you know, he's not a head coach. If he was a head coach, he'd be hired. What he is is a guy that runs all operation. Mm -hmm. And you might be reluctant to give him the keys to the whole building. You might want to leave him in a certain area of it. Well, in Los Angeles with the Chargers, they hired the coach first and the general manager second. On purpose. Well, they, they hired the coach. They hired the coach. Who hired the general manager. Yes. Who brought in the Ravens director of player personnel who had been with the Ravens for 26 years. And, and his brother knew him. Yeah. Came with the endorsement of the Harbaugh family. So that was a, an easy transition. And Washington, maybe the hierarchy is less clear. But still, if you have an opportunity to – if, if they were leaning on the idea or clinging to the idea of, of Ben Johnson – Pivoting to Bill Belichick is not exactly a bad way to go. You know, that I, would, yeah, it's a heck I, of a I, consolation I, prize. I, I hope I'm not implying that. but No, you're not. I, you know, no. I think that it's very interesting to look at the situation in different cities and try to figure out how they want to uh, hire the head coach. There's only two jobs left. And, um, and it's, it's interesting to me that we've already heard that Bobby Slowick isn't going anywhere. He's staying in Houston. He was a hot name. And uh, Ben Johnson might have been the hottest name, and he's not going anywhere. So that's curious to me. The two most likely offensive coordinators to get head coaching jobs at the beginning of this month, the beginning of this cycle, are staying with their teams. That's a surprise. The guys who have gotten hired in Carolina, for example, uh, have raised some eyebrows about – well, didn't see that one coming necessarily. Mm. Meanwhile, guys like Mike Vrabel and Bill Belichick still out of work. The NFL's coaching cycle surprises you every year. You can never really tell. Raheem Morris getting hired in Atlanta was a bit of a surprise. Yeah. Oh, that that threw the whole thing off to me. That that was where you hired someone that you didn't think was going to get that job, and you know, it, it's a difficult one to answer. Three one two six forty four sixty seven sixty seven. Let's try Chris. He's on the road. Hi, Chris. Good morning, guys. Uh, I really enjoyed your co- the start of that conversation with 
how Brady fits in, uh, you know, as a as a uh, an analyst. But I guess I, I was wondering, from your guys' perspective, you guys are in this profession. If you had to rank Romo, Aikman, Herb Street, Collinsworth, and Olson, where do you put them? You know, and what would be your one through five? And then the second part would be. How do they stack up against the all-time greats, guys like Dick Enberg and and, and Pat Summerall and John Madden? Uh, I'm going to hang up, and I'm interested to hear what you That's, guys got to say. It's a good question. It's an interesting topic. I think Troy Aikman's the best at what he does right now. I think he is the top analyst in the sport. Right. You agree? I think Troy Aikman has been excellent since he started. I don't think there's been any drop at all. I think that, you know, um, he had a producer and that it, he told us about putting together the Aikman mm-hmm. rating, uh, rankings and all that stuff. Uh, is that done? They don't do that anymore, do they? I but don't. That was phenomenal. Yeah, I don't think so. And I think he works his tail off and I think he's just a total pro and does the best job out there. Um, I think Greg Olson is really good. I, I think the, the problem is people are sick of Tony Romo. I think so. Yeah, that's understandable. I, I'm and a little he's sick of Tony Romo. Yeah, that's a, that's a problem. I, I like Aikman first. I would put Olsen second. I, I'm a big fan of his work and how he's progressed and improved. You know, people like to criticize Kirk Herbstreet for being a college guy doing an NFL game. Yeah, I like Kirk Herbstreet. I think he definitely um, brings the energy and he does the homework. And I think I'm a big fan of him. I would put him next of the five guys you mentioned. Romo, there's a lot of fatigue there. Chris Collinsworth, I would say same deal. Nothing personal. It's just that it gets you watch it and you you wait and wait. So I I don't remember much of what he says except for things it's, that I just wish he wouldn't have. Yeah, it's really an interesting question. Um, we've got Dan Weeder next, and we're going to talk to him. I, I'm dying to find out what he thinks of these coaches that have been hired and was there hesitation? I mean, you're talking about guys that um, are they an upgrade? We'll have to wait and see them play. We can't make that. We can't make that determination. There's at least nobody you look at and say, why would they do that? Why would you hire this guy? Yeah. 312-644-6767. We got Dan Weaver next. Molly and Hall on the score. Hike, hike. Dan Wiederer. You've got a guy with, with credentials, you've got a guy with some qualifications, and now there's just when done at its best provides a level of steadiness and stability that helps create and stimulate success. On-air contributor for 670 The Score. Listen, we're not going to accept the status quo. We are going to push for more. We are going to strive for more. Co-host of the Take the North podcast with our own David Haw. We're going to take the North and never give it back. Dan Wiederer with Mully and Haw on 670 The Score. Bear down. Let's go. <laughs> Mully and Haw, Chicago Sports Radio, 670 The Score. Always fun to talk to Dan Wiederer, and he joins us on The Score Hotline, powered by IBEW Local 9, Chicago's original powerhouse since 1892. Dan, good morning. How are you? Good morning, gentlemen. How are we doing? Good. We're living the dream, and we wonder if the Bears are. You know, we, we look at their... Uh, new coordinators, they replaced both coordinators, and they got a whole new offensive staff, and those names are coming out, and we're getting a feel for uh, who they are, and they all have 
a pretty good experience, NFL experience. What do you make of the staff, and is it an upgrade, and when do you know? Yeah, this is the ultimate we'll see here. If there's one thing I've gotten good at over my 11 years covering the Bears, it's introducing myself to new coaches at Hellas Hall. <laughs> so I've got a flow chart in front of me right now as we speak just to keep them all straight because six new coaches since the, the season ended added to the mix. Uh, three of those in coordinator roles, obviously Shane Waldron at OC, Eric Washington at DC, and then yesterday – Thomas Brown gets the uh, the hire as the passing game coordinator, a guy with extensive running backs history uh, in his background, but also uh, experience with Shane Waldron. And so you've got a staff coming together that that you hope can push your offense in the right direction. Um, and it's going to be kind of a, a we'll see proposition here, because uh, as I've learned with with all these staffs, uh, there's there's an initial surge of excitement. And then there's the, okay, let's see the results. And then after the results go a little bit sour, then there's a whole new group coming in to replace them. So maybe this time it'll be a little bit different. So how's that going to work? Passing game coordinator. Then there's an offensive coordinator. I know they've worked together before, and I know teams have done yeah. this in the past. And what does uh, what does Thomas Brown bring that Shane Waldron doesn't? Do they complement each other? And, and how does it all fit into the question that everyone wants to know? Does this indicate who they're leaning toward at quarterback? You know, this, David, has been done recently at House Hall as well. When uh, Matt Nagy was here, he had Bill Lazor as the OC. He had Dave Ragone as his passing game coordinator. He had John Filippo as the quarterback's coach. It's another voice. It's another set of eyes. It's another person that can lend some experience and uh, insight into the things that you're trying to get done. And as long as everybody understands that uh, you have to keep the – voices to a minimum at times when you only need one voice speaking, then everything can work out smoothly. Uh, it'll be interesting to see how it works out. We're going to spend, as you know, the next, you know, 10, 11, 12 weeks trying to guess who the quarterback's going to be and trying to read clues. And, and I think the, the sentiment around the league uh, right now is that most people would be stunned if they didn't use the number one pick to upgrade at the most important, important position in the sport. And so I think we're, you know, starting to get that lean where, where the presumption is that uh, unless the bears find something incredibly troubling in their homework on Caleb Williams, that that's the direction they'll pivot. Uh, and then we'll just kind of have to wait and see if we can read more of those clues as we go along. Um, but I think there, there, there's probably an attraction to this opportunity. If that is the direction you're leaning, you know, and it, it, it does allow you to sell that to, to coaches outside the building on, Hey, look, like we do have a chance here to, to uh, draft a quarterback that many people believe is an uh, upward ascending uh, potential star. And if you uh, hit your wagon to that, well, you, you know where that usually ends up for a lot of these coaches who work with star quarterbacks. And, and it was interesting um, to, to hear um, a Joseph talk about, the DTA principle, right? This idea that you've got to you got to be making the right decision, the timing and accuracy, and that's you know people love having some kind of monogram to the whole damn thing. It just <laughs> makes it easier. Do you look at? Let's just talk about that for a second with Justin Fields. Uh, there's been an argument that he doesn't make uh, quick decisions. He doesn't. He likes to see the ball in as opposed yeah. to anticipating yeah. throws. And that will interrupt timing. And and then you start talking about accuracy. Yeah. And I honestly don't believe you can – I know Charlie Weiss would argue with me because he told us that you can make a quarterback accurate. I don't believe that. I think accuracy is something you have or you don't have. And when a guy shows accuracy, it's a great quality. And when you don't have accuracy, you've got to – 
kind of work around it um, in order to, to succeed. Molly, there's a dozen throws in every one of these playoff games that we've seen this month where you go, boy, we don't see that consistently in Chicago. Those anticipation throws, those, uh, you know, bullets into tight windows where, where the, the receiver's barely out of his break or not out of his break and the ball's gone. Um, you, you, you've got to find that in, in, in your position. I've got a piece coming later this week at chicagotribune.com where I went back and before the season started, we set goals for Justin Fields across 12 statistical departments and seven key categories of playing the position. And I went back and graded them this week to see how he fared. And, and, and keep in mind, these were goals that we set for Justin to be on an upward ascending arc, not to be the MVP level quarterback that some people were talking about in July. And I graded them like uh, you would grade a uh, grade school progress report. And the categories were exceeds expectations, needs improvement, met expectations, and failed to meet expectations. Well, zero exceeded expectations and then four a piece in the needs improvement met expectations and and failed to meet expectations and so it just it's an illumination of a quarterback who made growth but didn't make the significant growth that would allow you to say yes i'm willing to bet the rest of my career as a uh, coach the rest of my career as a general manager uh and so it just kind of points you in a direction of, of saying look like if the organization's uh mantra is going to be we can't settle then the biggest thing we can't do is settle at the most important position in the sport. And so that's kind of how I, how I see that whole thing. As you look at the way the staff came together, Dan, and as you talk to people around the league about the openings that existed, both coordinators and then the offensive staff, was there some hesitance, some hesitation, as we've alluded to, I think you've talked about a little bit, that, well, you know, the Bears' opportunity is Chicago, it's the Bears, it's a job, but the head coach isn't on as stable of a ground as there, as some head coaches are, and that, that prevented some people from maybe being as interested as they might have been. Yeah, there's no question that that existed, David. Now, it wasn't universal, obviously. They filled out a staff with six new people who were very attracted to the opportunity and the, the chance to come here. But there were people in, in specifically involved in some of those position coaching roles that uh, looked at it and said, eh, you know, I think I can go find an opportunity uh, in, a, in another uh, organization that gives me a chance to stay there for, for multiple years and not have to worry about it. Now, these people may be here for the next five to 10 years. If they get the quarterback position right and the defense continues ascending and they become a playoff team next year and all of a sudden you catch that moving walkway to, to success. Um, but there was in pockets some hesitance to, again, particularly on the uh, on the uh, position coach uh, lines to 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 come and join this, not knowing what the future holds here in Chicago. Coordinator positions have a, a different level of uh, prestige, as you know, and and obviously, if, if you get your uh, job done in those roles, you have a chance to to go get a higher role uh, uh, up the chain. I think yesterday's hiring of Thomas Brown is interesting to me uh, in some regards, because if if you do have some success and, and we we do worry about um, a defensive minded coach overseeing an offensive staff where if you do have offensive success, then the, the offensive coordinator leaves. Well, maybe now you have. Uh, an in-house successor to Shane Waldron if he gets on the fast track and goes and gets a head coaching job in the next couple of years. And and then maybe you can promote Thomas Brown into that that OC role and see where things go from there. But uh, yeah, to answer your first question, there was in, in certain circles some hesitance. I, I asked um, David this morning, what am to Phil Snow? Is he still connected to? <laughs> I know it's I know it's funny, but I'm just curious, you know, he when he was hired, they started getting better. Now that probably coincided with making a trade for a guy who yeah, uh, right. was pretty damn good at his position in Montez Sweat. But 
I don't know. Did he help? And is he going to still have a role, or is that all? Montez Sweat is an actual person. Yes. Yeah, I was going to say, I, I know. Snow I, isn't. I, I got gotcha. I, I, I know the answer that David gave you. What, yeah. what do you mean what happened to him? He never existed. Yeah, he, he just, said he, it was AI. Yeah. He just evaporated back, yeah. back into the ether, and, and there we go. I don't, I, that's a good question. I don't have the answer on whether he'll still be around. I would assume <laughs> that now that they've stabilized this staff and, and Matt's going to be you know firmly in control of calling plays on defense with Eric Washington as his right-hand man, that, that they don't need Phil Snow around in that role anymore, but uh, worth asking. And I'll, uh, uh, since Bigsy's out there uh, working things in Mobile this week, I'll, I'll tell him to put that at the top of his radar today <laughs> as, he, <laughs> as, as he runs around Lad People's Stadium or whatever it's called now. So <laughs> let's talk about the Senior Bowl for a moment. I want to know, what is the appropriate level of excitement or intrigue? Uh, all these prospects, and everybody wants to draft Jackson Powers Johnson. He's the Oregon <laughs> center. Right. Because they want to plug and play, and they got these other guys on the list. And, yes, there were four players in the Senior Bowl last year the Bears drafted because Luke Getze was there, and then there was Tyson Bajan, and he signed and all that. Dan, how do you view what happens this week in Alabama? Oh, no, it's I mean, it's a, 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 an incredible opportunity for – uh, these staffs to get eyes on guys. The 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 one-on-one -on -one drills at the Senior Bowl are some of the most entertaining parts of the offseason where you just get that high-level competition between prospects and it allows these coaches and these talent evaluators to to, to kind of get some glimpses into how guys are are wired competitively and how they perform when they're they're put on a stage like this where there is uh, a bit of a job audition pressure to it. And so um, there, there's, there's a number of intriguing prospects that could interest the bears out there. Uh, obviously the, the pass rusher from UCLA Latu is a guy that a lot of people are, are eager to watch this week. And he's got some unique qualities and, and, and explosion off the ball that, that you get a chance to see firsthand. And so um, there's, there's definitely something to gain from being out there and watching these guys practice against one another. The game is obviously an afterthought for a lot of these guys the week of practice tends to be where, where a lot of the homework gets done. And then obviously at night you get to, to sit down with these guys and, and interview them and, and talk to them and start that process going as well. Yeah. And, and I mean, look, they've got um, a couple players there that are pretty good. And, you know, you mentioned the center. I was, uh, I, I was reading it. Uh, um, the Pittsburgh coaches out there on the fields Mike Tomlin talking to the guy. They're looking for a center. You know, obviously, the the Bears' brain trust is sitting there watching him play. I don't know if they're – I don't know if they need a higher pick in order to get him. There's a lot of options for them on those lines. But it's interesting when, you know, you got whomever it might be, um, you know, Lad McConkey separating right. himself at a position. I, I'm just saying – you oh, find right. players at that game, and, you know, I uh, believe Tyson Bajan came out of that game last year. Well, you know who else came out of that game very early uh, during my time covering the Bears is Aaron Donald, and I remember going down sure. there and watching uh, people be like, I don't know, this guy seems a little bit undersized for the position, and then leaving that week, it was like, oh, man, like that dude is a game wrecker, and there were a lot of people very excited about the potential to get him, including Phil Emery. And he was one pick shy of being able to pull that off. And, and, and you remember those things over time. Um, I'll tell you guys this also, like, you know, this week, our friend Matt Bowen put out his, uh, his list of the top 
50 free agents and, and free agency is less than six weeks away yeah. now. And as you guys yeah. know, it precedes the draft and you start going down and you want to start, start dreaming a little bit. And you think about, like, all right, you've got, you know, not only the number one pick, which we're going to spend an inordinate amount of time talking about over the next couple of months, but you've got not number nine to do whatever you want there. And, and then you've got this, this free agent capital and you start looking at, you know, defensive tackle and you dream about like a Christian Wilkins coming in and, and joining the defense. Or if you want to get DJ Moore, uh, a, a guy that works alongside him, what about thinking about T Higgins or Mike Evans or Calvin Ridley? And then you, all of a sudden the, the, the imagination starts to run a little wild and you realize how well positioned the Bears are to make improvement to an already improving team and then all of a sudden you start to get that that uh, adrenaline rush that yes this is indeed a landmark offseason and they've got a chance in a lot of different areas to, to get a lot of things right all right Dan 30 seconds what is the significance of the hype video released over the weekend by the chicagobears.com social media team about Justin Fields I'll give you four seconds none <laughs> oh that's a great answer one uh, two-minute clip it has no big picture significance <laughs> great stuff dan thank you buddy thanks Good dan talk. all right Take guys care. we'll talk soon that's dan weedra that's funny none he succinct that is it to the point all inaccurate right. 312-644-6767 back with your calls on the score i think he's the right guy for the job and when we talk about his schemes and how he can draw stuff up and how he can create matchups. And what I love the most, especially, because I know the offensive line did pretty good for the most part of the year. But what I love is his double chips coming out of the backfield, whether it's a tight end or a running back to help that offensive line to buy that quarterback some extra time. So I love some of his concepts. And I think he's the right fit. I think Eric Washington is a great fit, especially when we're talking about developing this young defensive line position. I, I think the Bears are primed for a good year. It's all about I think they need another receiver and I think they need two positions on defense, defensive line and then potentially a center. Um, I think if they can get those positions, I think they're primed for a really good year. Molly and Hall, Chicago Sports Radio 670. The score uh, talked to Corey Wooten yesterday about uh, the defensive coaching staff. I think it's. I. I think I agree with him. Um, a lot of attention to detail and what he's talking about, and hopefully that's what you get. But what I like about the group they're putting together is they all have NFL experience. Yeah, that's good. That's positive. Eric Washington is well respected. I like what he said about the offensive coordinator. The double chips. You know, the extra chips. That's always good. Extra chips, please. <laughs> Shane Waldron with the double chips. Um, the Bears staff. How do you know? How do you know until you know? I think you want to hire guys that have solid reputations, good recommendations, but you really don't know until that first trip into the red zone, that first third and two, that first fourth and goal from the one or the four, right? That first time where you're playing a team that's 25th in rushing defense and you run the ball. 30 times and you, you grasp the obvious you don't know until you're in a situation to evaluate exactly how the game plan dictates the outcome. I, I don't want to diminish the role of position coaches. I think it's important, but I also, I do kind of want like Chad Morton sometimes reported that he's going to be joining the Bears staff as a running backs mm-hmm. coach. Right. And Kenneth Walker, the third is, is listed as a guy who, whose growth 
is attributed in part to Chad Morton, who was his position coach. And that's true. Is that because of the position coach, especially with a running back? How much impact do running back coaches have? How much coach? How much impact do quarterback coaches have? Yeah, I, I mean, look, the player is the is the thing. But the, and I agree with that completely. But you need to teach the player. You need to work with the player. If the player has any issue in his game, you got to work on the details of that with him. So yep. you, you know, you need to be able to self scout, figure out what you're getting and what you want and then teach him how to give you what you want. And I I mean, the reality of life is that not every player is a pro bowler, not a, you know, the better the players you have, the better the team you'll have. So you got a chance to get two impact players out of the draft, two top 10 picks, including the first one. And that should be a boon to your team. But, but, What's interesting to me is you go out and you look at a particular player who is a free agent and you try to figure out how is this guy going to fit in. I don't know that that has happened uh, as as well as you would like yet. I think that they've done okay with some free agent stuff. And, you know, frankly, you don't get credit for signing your own free agents. But if you get, you know, Jalen Johnson done – it's a good thing moving forward. He's a good player, and you, you don't want to lose a guy like that. But, you know, if you're going out and getting a guard and signing him to come in and he, he doesn't do what you want or he he seems not as good as you thought, then that's a problem. If you're trading for somebody and they're not exactly what you need, they did such a good job with Montez Sweat. No one's complained about it. But the year before, it was Claypool, and it was a disaster. And, and, you know, you look at the offensive line. You went out and you got a guard who hasn't been good enough and can only play one position, apparently. And so your, your, your right-side strength that you had for a game or two, you couldn't prolong. Right, and that's all about the, the talent of the players yeah. involved. Yeah, That's all about the potential and the commitment and the health and all the things about the players that we're talking about. Claypool, Sweat, Nate Davis. Those are personnel decisions. That's why I, I wonder, you know, you could be the greatest wide receiver coach in the NFL. Were you going to get through to Chase Claypool? I don't know. Maybe. Yeah, I, I But think probably that, yeah, not. Probably not. Because some guys just can't be reached at well, that level. And that's I think coaching is so much more impactful and important. And I don't want, again, don't want to diminish what these guys can do. But when you're at the college level, you're still at a more of a developmental phase than you mm-hmm. are when you're in the NFL. When I think largely, to some degree, either you got it or you don't at certain positions. Offensive line coaching, very important. You got to have five acting as one. I think that is, that is maybe the most important staff position on any offensive staff. More than the wide receivers coach, more than the running, back, running backs coach. And even I think maybe sometimes more than the quarterbacks coach because – of the offensive coordinator and the head coach's relationship to the quarterback supersedes the one with the quarterback's coach. So the offensive line coach, to me, is the most important position coach. Offensive line and defensive line are very important positions to coach Mm -hmm. because there are so many technical things you've got to do right to be able to perform within the group 
uh, of players on the offensive line. That is a really tough thing to have. And you need, you know, you kind of need what the Lions have shown. You need like a stud tackle on one side or the other, and you you got to have a center. You got to have somebody that that you know. It it's been frustrating to watch that position uh, over the last two three years. It, you know, you got a guy who you think technically should work there, and you try to work him in, and it doesn't work, and you're left with a guy who may be an enthusiastic weight room guy, a good guy, who knows, but he's not a difference maker at the position by any stretch of the imagination. And, you know, no one likes Sam Mustafer. Everybody, oh, you know, he's not big enough. He's not tough enough. That guy knew what he was doing, and he knew where everything was coming, and he could make the calls, and he could do a really good job of – of. uh of figuring out how they were being attacked. And they didn't appreciate that. They And I get it. You're always trying to upgrade. But that guy broke his rear end. And for an undrafted free agent, had an impact for a couple of years. Yeah, he did. And now they're looking for the, the next center. And I think that's the one position on the offensive line you can pretty much guarantee they're going to try to change or upgrade. I do wonder if they look at a guy like, and you mentioned the Lions and Panay Sewell, and certainly that was a high draft pick that has panned out for them in a big way. And you wonder if the Bears feel like they have that in Darnell Wright, who was on the all-rookie team. I don't know that he's in the same category as Sewell no, yet. No way. I'm not saying he is, but I think that you, you have to – You shouldn't mention those two names together well, other than they both play a position. They're, they're both at the same position. They both were drafted high in the first round. Penny Sewell's a monster. I know he is, but when you draft somebody 10th overall – you want him to develop into your monster. You want him to be your guy. Fair enough. And he, you want him to be as in, impactful on your offensive line as Sewell is to the Lions. If if you don't expect that, then you shouldn't have drafted him 10th. That's the next step right. for him. But, I mean, you know, it's true that in free agency you're taking your chances. You know, you need some luck. You need a, you need a player available that – is going to work his rear end off and not be happy he signed a contract. And sometimes when a team is done with a player and you're picking him up, you find out that there's a flaw that you didn't think of. Just the reality of it. All right, we've got uh, a lot to get to. 312-644-6767. We'll get to your calls next. Mully and Haw on the score.